This episode is brought to you by Splash Refresher. I believe in the three beverage rotation on my desk at all times. One for caffeinating, one for hydrating, and one for fun. But Splash, they spice it up by putting the fun and hydration in one. I don't have to dread my eight cups of water a day. I just drink Splash and like it. My flavor that I've been enjoying the most lately is the wild berry. Keep one on your desk. You'll be hydrated in no time. Find Splash Refresher today on Amazon and Instacart or at your local Walmart, Sam's Club, or Kroger. Betches Media presents Ha Ha Laugh Funny Mention It All, a Bravo by Betches podcast. We don't say that, but now we said it. With Dylan Hafer. Hold on, check me, boo. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Mention It All podcast. I'm Dylan Hafer, and today I am joined by one of my favorite returning guests. She is the host of the Andy's Girls podcast and is celebrating the 300th episode of her podcast later this month with a live show on March 26th featuring another favorite, Evan Ross Katz. Please welcome Sarah Galley. Hi, Sarah. Oh, my God. It is such a thrill to be back on my favorite show outside of, you know, my show. I can't. I'm I'm so happy to be here. So happy I'm happy that here. you're still putting yourself first because I always feel like it's like if your favorite podcast isn't your own podcast, like get a different gig. It's like well, vote for yourself. I mean, you know, Andy's Girls is baby gorgeous. And that's <laughs> all I have to say. Icon Lisa Barlow inspiring me in every avenue of my life, including self-promotion. I, I feel like Lisa Barlow is that kind of like girl boss energy that isn't necessarily really like getting that much done but she still makes me feel feel like the girl boss energy like i don't know if i'm going to actually you know be more successful by following lisa barlow but i'm going to feel like i'm on top of my shit and sometimes that's half the battle um a hundred percent agree and i also think you know there's that whole idea of like toxic positivity which you see in the Mm -hmm. wellness world a lot and i just wonder like the not to say it's toxic, but like girl boss, like there are certain certain elements of it where I'm like, all right, like cool, you have six lawyers um on hand at all times and you own four hundred businesses, but like I don't know, maybe focus on three. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Speaking of toxic positivity, did you see what Jennifer Aiden posted on Instagram this morning? I'll read. <laughs> oh, no. I'll read you the oh, message. No, it's didn't. it's like a rainbow background of with text. <laughs> Oh my God, am I her graphic designer? A message to all trolls that try to spread negativity on my page. I restrict and block. So if this has happened to you, well, you know what you did. It doesn't bother me that you can't come back, but trust and believe it will bother you. Misery loves company, so y'all miserable people are not welcome. So be well and stay happy, because happiness is contagious and I'm a super spreader. Um, couple things. Number one, for someone who so publicly went through COVID to call herself a super spreader <laughs> is an iconic choice. Number two, I'm very into her addressing a, a memo, a memorandum to people who she said at the top, she's Can't, already blocked. Right. So like, let's talk through how they can see this. I guess she's putting it out there energetically because she's quite literally saying, but I've already blocked she's you. saying. But welcome to all to of the you. Un- to unknown. all of you seeing this post on your Finsta because you've been blocked on your main account. <laughs> <laughs> Can I ask you? Do you have a Finsta? Is that true? Private? Is that an offline conversation? The last year or so that I was in college, Finstas were a thing where people would just like they started being a thing, and people would just kind of like shit post on them. It wasn't or like you would post you know, like drunk selfies or things that weren't really like aesthetic or what you wanted to be blasting out. And so I had one in, so that was like 2016, 2017. I did, but. Same. That's, that's also my senior year. Right. Yeah. We're famously the same age. Um, We're we're famously the same age. So that account, I believe still exists, but I have not logged into it or posted on it in like four years. So no, in, in, a practical sense no i don't have a finsta now and you hold on to it because it feels like a memory no i haven't looked at it like i don't i think because i like don't know the password or something i just haven't like i don't think i ever deactivated it but i maybe i should (laughs) i'm into it i'd love to see it yeah there's probably you know my senior year of college i don't know what i was getting up to but i don't i don't need the world to see that um (laughs) 
So we're here to talk, obviously, you could probably figure it out just by the uh, date and time that you're listening to this, about part three of the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City reunion. And, you know, kind of the season as a whole, because you and I have not talked a lot about Salt Lake City. I think last time you were here, it was like a Thursday. So we are doing a little uh, Miami OC moment. Um, Speaking Mm. of, though, before we get into Salt Lake, I just want to get some final thoughts for on this season of Miami because we were we were texting a little bit about it yesterday and I know we both really enjoyed this season so just you know sum up for me the feeling in your heart leaving behind Miami at the end of season four the feeling in my heart is one of to be honest utter devotion I think it is as close to a perfect season as one can have in the sense that they rebooted this thing from the grave and did such a prestige job that I think more people than not are talking or have been talking about Miami versus the shows on Bravo sometimes. Like it just, the casting was superior. The design of the show was superior. I felt, I felt spiritually energetically loaded with cash when I was watching everything felt rich and colorful and the stakes couldn't have been higher because of what Alexia was going through. But then we also have Lisa flipping out about needing to share a room. It it checked off every marker on the list of having an iconic, classic, fantastic um, season of Housewives. And who know who knew that that would come from Miami? Also noting how they began and where they left off. I thought it was absolutely Absolutely fantastic. Yeah, I think what you were saying about how they really did reboot it in a true sense where the show was Mm -hmm. dead and gone for eight years. Most people, Mm -hmm. and I include myself in this, who had sort of found Bravo in the interim when Miami was not a thing, hadn't I hadn't even watched it all for the first time until 2021 when I knew it was coming back. It was really kind of off the radar of housewives mainstream and so it's not like uh what they're doing with atlanta right now or what they did with oc this season where they kind of give it a six-month break and then like quote unquote reboot refresh retool whatever you want to say the fact that they were able to bring back honestly the majority of the original cast with you know some Mm -hmm. i think really great additions some subtractions that were uh i think pretty necessary for the most part it really was just kind of it all came together so beautifully and i think so surprisingly well i think most uh, most people that i remember talking to in the fall were optimistic that it would be entertaining but also it was just such an unknown thing because they've never really done that before where to take a show that has really been done and bring it back and I just they've set a high bar for themselves really yeah and it also goes to show you I mean listen we're both content creators in the Bravo space I think we're both consider ourselves maybe are considered in some way like knowledgeable on the housewives universe and I remember hearing that Leah Black was gone and Larsa Pippen was returning and I thought to myself how absolutely dare you? I know that Larsa is kind of a deal in the sense of everything that's happened with the Kardashians, but she was one of the worst housewives of all time. How dare you bring her back? Had you Have you not learned your lesson from Larsa and Christy Rice? <laughs> two, I would put them in the top five, top eight worst housewives of all time. And to have Larsa return and do such a good job be so interesting. I can't take my eyes off of her. Like there's even something about her voice that I know they've intimated has changed through the Kardashian era and I guess beyond. Um, although it sounds like she's circling back to it. Like there's just something about her. She, I found her so fascinating. I laughed with and at her. I just thought, you know, this is a great example of the idea that sometimes we think we know what's going to happen and we are entirely wrong. And I love being wrong in that context. I love when Bravo surprises us. Same with this season of Orange County. When Andy, you know, um, uh, tweeted, I think it was Evan Ross Katz uh, on Twitter when Evan said, you know, cancel or, or Megan McCain said cancel Orange County. And Andy was like, 
no, don't cancel Reboot. And I was like, no, Andrew, cancel. But look what's happening right now on Orange County. It's fresher, lighter than it has been in seasons. And I just think it's a marker that people sometimes think Housewives is ending. People like to talk about the crisis point in this world. And I feel like Miami is a perfect example of the fact that, no, I don't think we're anywhere near done. Not yet. Yeah, and then I think with these shows, there are going to be ebbs and flows and certain people who have really been Mm -hmm. top performers in years past may not really have that spark anymore and vice versa. People like Larsa, somebody that really wasn't a great fit the first time around, came back and was able to bring something to the table that I think was so so incredibly watchable in a pretty unique way. And the thing with Larsa is that I think one criticism that she faces is that, oh, she's not kind of mentioning it all the way that we want her to. Like, we want her to come on and give the whole story about Kim and about Scotty and blah, 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 blah. And I think with Larsa, almost watching her be so uncomfortable with talking about certain topics is almost just as interesting because it's like, we're getting such a such a minimalist version of her talking about what happened with Kim and Kanye, and it feels extremely deliberate on her part. And that almost makes it more interesting because there's kind of that mystery of like, she's saying like, you know, like Kim and I are still friends. Like we're working on it, you know, like we're, <laughs> and when Andy's like, have you refollowed each other on Instagram? And Lars has like been talking about how they're still friends. And she's like, you know what, Andy, we're not at that point yet. And it's like, what point is that? Like following someone on Instagram is like kind of bare minimum for most social interactions. But like the way I think Larsa lives in such a specific world, but it's so real for her that it's like, I just, it's like a, um, like a, like a character study. It's like watching somebody who really is sort of detached from the reality that you and I exist in. It's, pretty fascinating and I think Larsa this season really just I don't know there was like this spark that I I didn't know was going to be there and I, I agree with Orange County I think Orange County is not has not locked into gear the same way that Miami did this season but I do think it's certainly okay. an improvement on season 15 and I think looking forward from this season I think there are more kind of promising threads that they could weave into something really great in a season or two down the road versus last season, it was kind of like, well, where the fuck do we go from here? Yeah. And it's also just so wonderful and refreshing to have casts who haven't been recently indicted. <laughs> you know, like there's something wonderful about that. Like the stakes for Lisa are like, who do I need to share a twin bed with or whatever in this multi million dollar Hamptons estate? Yeah. It's not like, Cool. When you say vulnerable communities on Salt Lake City, we're talking about the literal elderly and not the issue of needing an extra pillow. You know, it's it, it's a nice break from that. Summer is fast approaching, which means more social events, more weddings to attend, more nights on the town, and hopefully more vacations. That's why I'm so thankful for today's sponsor, Honey Love, for covering us with the best shapewear. With Honey Love, you can feel your best even when you're wearing less. They've revolutionized compression technology so you no longer have to feel like you're suffocating while wearing effective shapewear. Plus, they're the only shapewear that won't ever roll down no matter how much you groove on the dance floor. For a limited time only, you can get Honey Love on sale. Get 20% off your entire order with our exclusive link, honeylove.com MIA. Support our show and check them out at honeylove.com MIA. When talking about shapewear, Honey Love's best-selling superpower short is the go-to. It has targeted compression technology that distinguishes between areas where you want more support and areas where you need less compression. Their signature X targets and sculpts your midsection without squeezing your natural curves. The superpower short is helping ladies everywhere sculpt and smooth from stomach to thigh by offering just the perfect amount of compression. This piece is also a booty lifter. Boost bands on the back of the thigh give your bottom an amazing shape. Treat yourself to the best bras and shapewear on the market and save 20% off at honeylove.com slash MIA. Use our exclusive link to get 20% off honeylove.com slash MIA. After you purchase, they'll ask where you heard about them. Please support our show and tell them we sent you. The summer vibes are just getting started, honeys. Shape your life with Honey Love. Melissa Gorga just did an interview uh, with ET with Bryce Sander and the clip that was pulled for social media was, I thought I really liked. She was talking about how the fans are so quick to come for people for not having like storylines, quote unquote, that it's like 
all people want to see are like somebody getting indicted, somebody getting investigated, somebody like cheating on somebody, you know, like these kind of massive storylines of that are just sort of dark. And she's like, she's like, you can't have a cast that's all villains. You know, you can't have, you can't build a housewives show where every episode all the time is just massive scandal crisis mode. That's not sustainable. And honestly, I think from, uh, from an entertainment perspective, we don't always need the, the chaos level to be at an 11. And I think there are, you know, it's fun to have that sometimes and it's exciting. And I mean, certainly there, it gives us a lot to unpack and to talk about, but I also, there was a clip that was on, that I saw on Twitter last night from early season of Beverly Hills that was Kim and Kyle at the grocery store together. And it was a two minute clip of them just bickering about every single thing at the grocery store about what kind of cheese do Kim's kids like and Kim wanted barbecue sauce and Kyle hates barbecue sauce. And, you know, like, what are we going to do? Who's getting what chips? And it's like, that is so, so watchable. And I, I think it's like, you have to, you have, you have to lose the forest for the trees. I can't, I don't know, like the specifics of that, but it's like, Mm -hmm. but it's like, you can't, you get so in your head that it's like the only thing that makes housewives exciting are these massive scandals. And it's like, actually some of the best moments are when these women are just bickering over the pettiest things or having fun together, you know, things like that, where it's like, there's so much more that makes up a compelling housewives recipe than just talking about somebody's alleged fraud. Couldn't agree more. And I feel like there's a difference between, uh, victims and voyeurs and what makes housewives so fascinating are those little moments and we look at the Salt Lake City reunion for example and some of the little moments that they're so hyper focused on because it's related to a federal crime and yet that is or is not what's in discussion it can be it can become kind of muddled of like wait a second so we're heavily criticizing this person for this thing but there's this huge thing here but this is supposed to be this insane season because of the huge thing except we're not focusing on that we're focusing on the little thing but we're attaching such high stakes to the little thing that you watch it and it feels not disconcerting it just feels kind of like a little out of sorts like I'm trying to understand and gain my footing and try to appreciate what's happening or even understand it and it and it's a lot it's a lot to kind of work through and all the more reason you know to like some of these other franchises that don't have to deal yeah with that. so the reunion last night part three was definitely sort of the gen part you know they they talked about other stuff too but <laughs> it was kind of when they re- when andy sort of dug in and asking more questions and uh when the husbands were there and sharif was getting asked some questions i saw kind of a varied response online some people said the episode was boring overall, which I sort of disagreed with. But then some people some people were immediately kind of going back to the thing of why is Andy going so easy on Jen compared to Erica? And that's, I mean, the Erica-Jen comparison has been through there throughout this season that a lot of people have been making. But I thought in the reunion context specifically, when you're talking about how Jen's stuff was handled at the reunion, you can't take out of the equation that she literally just can't talk about most of this stuff, that she's awaiting trial. I'm sure she's getting a lot of legal advice about what she should and shouldn't say. And even I'm sure some of the stuff she is saying probably is not um, legally advisable to be talking about. But like, it's like, okay, so should should Andy have asked 12 more questions that he knew Jen wasn't going to answer. To me, that is just a waste of time. And maybe he did. You know, they edit, they film for a whole day and then edit it down to three hours. And so Andy might have asked her a whole another list of questions. And if the answer to all of those was, uh, I regret to say that I can't answer this question at this time because I have my trial is coming up. Why would they leave that footage in? That's not compelling to watch her plead the fifth six times in a row. And so for me, it's like, I actually thought that the last night's episode had a lot of interesting content when it came to Jen talking about her scandal and especially watching her sort of live in this state of delusion still that there's no evidence that any of this is true, that 
you know, people were totally being backstabbing bitches by having questions about it or feeling having, you know, stressed feelings about it. And like that is the kind of thing where whether or not Jen is talking about her actual legal situation, it's still extremely clear to me that she is fully in denial about any of this. And whether or not she's guilty, you know, she's she's going to trial. She if she wants to claim innocence, that's fine. But to act like the suggestion that something could be sketchy is like so absurd and ridiculous. And that is just so telling about where she is as a person. Yeah. And it's also really telling about where the cast is and where the narrative has been because the reunion is twofold. It's obviously much more complicated when we're talking about these kind of like national crime stories, but from the perspective of Andy, he's going to be asking questions relating to what we saw and the narrative on TV. And the wild part of this season was that the bulk majority, 99% of the narrative, appeared to be how these women were responding to Jen's arrest and not the reasons behind Jen's arrest. So Andy can try to do what he can to get answers, understanding that this is a very serious situation regarding or should be um, regarding her, you know, criminal defense strategy and everything else. But the reality is the women weren't really focusing on that. They were focusing on what Meredith knew, what Mary was saying, what was going on here or there wasn't necessarily um, let's talk a little bit more about the crimes aside from that like post bath bonanza that one time, which, yeah, was referenced on the reunion, but wasn't wasn't the biggest part of the season itself. So it's like when it comes to the Erica versus Jen, it's, as you said, a difficult comparison and also a huge part of Beverly Hills was about. Erica's reaction to this and whether she had empathy for yeah. the victims and her responses became a huge part of the drama, the scenes and the narrative arc. It's a different situation with Jen because of bad weather strategy or Jen strategy or alliances or just what happened as things happen. The focus from the perspective of what we actually saw content wise, editing wise and everything else, it just wasn't as focused on the merits of the case and what Jen knew. It was really focused on the reaction. Yeah. So it kind of makes sense that there's only a certain amount of, um, you know, kind of pivoting back that Andy can do because the reunion is supposed to be a reaction to the season itself. Yeah, and I think with Beverly Hills, I found last season to be incredibly entertaining. I was captivated the whole time. Mm -hmm. I really enjoyed it. But I think you could definitely, it's fair to say that aside from the Erica situation, there wasn't a lot of other storyline going on. And so it was easy and convenient for the other women to sort of keep leaning on that. And while I think it worked well from a viewer's perspective, just objectively, there's a reason that we kept talking about Erica because... They didn't have anything else to talk about. Whereas on Salt Lake, mm -hmm. for better or for worse, there was a lot of other stuff going on this season. All of the stuff with Mary freaking out at everyone, Meredith and Lisa's issues with each other, you know, Whitney's, I don't know what's going on with her business, Whitney and Mary, Jenny and Mary. Like there were a lot more kind of avenues to explore between different various cast members. And so obviously, all of this was happening in the context of post Jen's indictment. And that was, it was never off the table as a conversation topic. But just in terms of structuring a season of Housewives and, you know, sort of mapping out everything that's happening with the cast, there was a lot more on the storyboard for Salt Lake than there was for Beverly Hills. And so, yeah, I mean, I would have liked to hear a little bit more about what was going on with Jen and maybe a little bit more of a soul-searching mm -hmm. moment for the other women in terms of figuring out how to handle that information. But I also think that part of the reason they didn't focus on it as much was because they had other stuff to talk about. And I don't blame them for wanting to have multiple storylines, you know? That's ideal. A hundred percent. And also there was obvious an alliance taking place on Jen's side of the couch and Mary's absence, I think, was really felt. And if you didn't think about it for part three, I think, you know, I think that the reunion would have been far different with Mary there. I think when it comes to counters, when it comes to 
holding people accountable. There seems to be a vested interest in why um, Heather and Whitney aren't doing that, aside from Heather being like, Whitney's nice. You know, like, it just wasn't, it wasn't going to happen at that, because they had, it's like, what do you have to lose? I have more to lose by standing up to this person because my real intention is to go after Lisa Barlow. And from the perspective of Meredith and Lisa Barlow, they have a lot going on with each other. And, um, you know, it, it it would have shifted the waves, I think, a little bit had Mary been there, but she wasn't. So we'll never really know how different the energy would be. But my guess is it would have been a very different kind of experience watching it had Mary attended. I feel like we've all had that moment where you're at somebody's wedding and you're looking around the food, the venue, the music, the overall vibe. And you're making like that mental checklist of if I were planning a wedding right now, maybe you are, maybe you aren't. What would I want to copy from this? What would I want to change? What would I want to tweak? Well, I've been a part of my fair share of weddings over the years, and I know just how stressful the process can be. You go from that newly engaged bliss to overwhelmed by invitation paper and flower colors in the blink of an eye. But using Zola helps with wedding planning from start to finish and makes every decision easier so you can stay in your bliss. With Zola, you can plan your entire wedding in one convenient place. From the day you get engaged and search for the venue to the day you send out your save the dates, make your registry, and even taste your cake, Zola has literally everything you need to make the whole process super easy and even maybe enjoyable. There's even a five-star app that helps you plan on the go or on your couch. Zola helps couples plan the wedding they really want with tons of unique features and personalized recommendations based on a couple's preferences every Zola wedding is as unique as the couple planning it. They've thought of everything you'll need and have built every tool to get you to I do, including customized checklists to get you moving, keep you on track, and prepare you for what's next. Start planning at Zola.com. That's Z-O-L-A dot com. In terms of Meredith, she was probably, out of the people that were at the reunion, she was probably the one who had the biggest issues with Jen during the season. But by the time the reunion taping happened... I think she had sort of mellowed out on Jen a little bit or sort of just she was over it. I don't know. Or maybe felt bad for Jen a little bit. You know, there was kind of a little bit of a softening there. And then at the same time, after seeing those last few episodes, her relationship with Lisa was just totally in shambles. And so I think in a different world or maybe if Lisa's hot mic moment hadn't happened, maybe Meredith would have come into the reunion with a little more heat toward Jen, but for a combination of reasons, she really was more focused on what had happened with Lisa. And, you know, so I think it, the reunion could have had a little different spin also if if Meredith was coming for Jen a little bit more. But it seemed like by the time the reunion taping rolled around, nobody really was that interested in antagonizing Jen. And I think as as women who know her are varying levels of friends with her or have relationships with her. I also understand that just from like a human standpoint, they might feel like she's going through a lot. She's been through enough. I don't need to be the one, you know, dragging her across the floor today. And I think even though I would like them to hold her accountable a little bit more or to dig a little deeper about this potential fraud situation, I also understand from a human level, why Meredith or anybody on the couch might be like, you know what, Jen doesn't need it from me right now. Not only does Jen not need it from me, but I don't care whether or not she's guilty. I mean, is that not verbatim what Heather said? I could be getting <sighs> this wrong, but I think she said something along the lines of like, it doesn't matter to yep. me whether she's guilty or not, which I thought was quite a take and possibly honest uh, to Heather's, you know, thoughts about this situation, which I find really interesting because they're very focused on Lisa Barlow being fake. They want Lisa Barlow to be vulnerable. They will yell at her into crying as needed and then embrace her because all they were looking was for a breakthrough. But as Heather said, I hate that you are showing perfection. I feel like you're not being real. But you're also saying that your very good friend who's accused of dozens or whatever, facing dozens of charges in federal court, you know, here in New York City at some point in the future, you're saying that it doesn't matter if she's guilty or not because, because why? Like, 
finish the thought. It doesn't matter if she's guilty or not because you're still going to be her friend or you still love her. And yet Lisa Barlow is worse than that. Why? Because that's the, it's like the, the complicated reality of trusting someone implicitly or supporting them regardless. Obviously the stakes are incredibly different and I understand Mm -hmm. Heather's perspective of like, I want to be here for you. But when you add in the qualifier of there sort of is no qualifier, it doesn't matter to me if you did these things and, and went after vulnerable populations, it's just a fascinating comparison. Right. And I feel like she's sort of abandoning the idea that you can love someone and support someone while still holding them accountable or criticizing specific choices that they've made. And it feels like Heather is sort of going so far in the opposite direction of, look, I'm going to be there for you literally no matter what. And we don't have to talk about it. We don't have to dig any deeper. And it's like, in the grand scheme of things, it might be, you would be a better friend to her by saying, I, if this is true, we're really like, that's a lot to overcome, but I love you enough that we can move past this. And I still want to support you because I know you need support, but that's a lot different than saying, yeah, I don't really care. You know, it's, it is what it is. As long, you know, as long as you have my back, I'll have your back. And it's like, okay, but having your back means like calling Lisa a bitch. Whereas you having her back means like, I don't care that you, if you allegedly defrauded a lot of people. And those are two, uh, two different things. Right. It's like, there's this weird example of radical forgiveness that happens for the person who's being credibly accused of the absolute gravest act of the people on stage who were present at the reunion. And it's just so fascinating that she, it's like something has a stranglehold on Heather. And I, I believe that this, some of this is genuinely how she Mm -hmm. feels. It's just so interesting to see the contradiction of it because through the comparison of Lisa Barlow, the stakes are so much lower. And yet that's where the focus is. And that's also where the characterization of someone's character as negative is. Right. And yet she's sitting, you know, next to Jen on the couch. It's just, it is, it is genuinely fascinating. Similarly, like when, when they were talking about Whitney talking about Jen's business and when she was kind of breaking down what lead generation is and Jen is sort of coming for her. She's like, yeah, you're talking about my business. You don't know anything about my business. And Whitney is so deferential. She's like, she's like, Jen, I would never talk about your business specifically. I was just explaining what lead generation is and in like a general sense, whereas, so she's so scared to be seen by Jen as talking shit about her business or implicating her in anything. Whereas with Lisa, she would take any opportunity to make Lisa seem not legit or anything like that. And I don't even, I feel like this through this conversation, it's coming across like I'm extremely team Lisa in everything. And I don't even feel that way. I just feel like this reunion and this cast overall creates a lot of double standards for themselves where it's like, the goalposts just feel like they're in very different places. And I'm. it makes me a little uncomfortable how many excuses it feels like we're making for Jen. Whereas I think, I think it rightfully so, Lisa kind of feels like everybody's coming for her. Whereas Jen across the couch is literally going to trial for fraud and nobody's coming for her, really. I mean, this is why I love talking to you about Housewives, because the entire time, guys, I'm just vigorously nodding my head. <laughs> and I also have to say, sidebar, like, number one, I am, as we've said, spiritually mid-20s plus. I do not totally understand pyramid schemes. And I have, like, <laughs> thought about it and watched enough criminal yeah. documentary series. And for some reason, I, I truly am confused by, like, elements of white-collar crime. So there's that. <laughs> then there's the idea of lead. What is it? Lead what generation. Lead, okay. Then there's lead generation, w- which Whitney describes. And Jen's like, you have it completely wrong. How dare you? That's not even what that is. Then Andy goes, Jen, what do you do? I do data monetization. Right. Okay. What is that? Jen awkwardly pauses and says, well, it's when you monetize data. And then she appears to go on to define her job as Literally exactly what Whitney had just said moments before, 
which makes me think that maybe she should be maybe this was like her dress rehearsal before the main act, but she should probably start to figure out what it is that she does and why it's so different from what Whitney said that she does. Because my guess is that's going to be a big part of her defensive strategy that we didn't necessarily see successfully Right, play because out. none of what she's saying, she's not doing anything to refute the idea that this was her business and this was how she was making all of this right. money. The crux of the issue at trial, I would think, is going to be whether or not her business was legit. There's no question of whether she did the business, whether she made the money. It's, it's all going to come down to proving that it was fraudulent and it feels like she is at this point not very easily able to articulate what specifically kept it from being fraudulent because it it all sounds scammy and i think i think probably part of the reason why this is so hard to de- understand or so seems so complicated is that i have a feeling the legit version of whatever she was doing is kind of scammy. And there are things that are scammy that are totally legal. Right. And so I think that is kind of where part of the issue lies is that it's like, even if I had the most above board explanation of Jen's theoretical legal business, it still is going to sound shady. And that's fine because there are things that are legal that are just kind of shitty and shady and scammy and sketchy. And so I, I, I'm curious to see sort of what the like legalese version of this is going to be at trial where it's not like her, where it's not her and Lisa Barlow bickering about docket, but <laughs> where it's like a lawyer explaining what she did or like an expert witness explaining what she did, because I think that's going to be a little less muddled. At least she better hope it's a little less muddled because the jury certainly isn't going to be convinced by her being like, no, bitch, I did data monetization, not lead generation. How (laughs) fucking dare you? I mean, a thousand percent. And also the worst case scenario for Jen right now is the jury of her peers, because you don't want that. You don't want people who are listening to this for hours and getting defined, rationalized versions of what may well be the truth or at least for lack of a better term, the data, you know, like for someone who's focused on data monetization, I don't think that data is going to work terribly well in her favor. And it is, I think, going to be quite a struggle because there's only so many times that you can talk about the fact that, you know, this is some sort of conspiracy against you for whatever reason, because there's like a decade of paperwork and so many people before you who have pled out, including your BFF, that this is it's going to be a lot tougher to win over strangers than it is your yeah. past. And I think if she does not do something different, noting, by the way, that I actually thought she came off far better than yeah. she could have um, and that we've seen her in past seasons, let alone at last season's reunion, I just think it's going to be. It's going to be tough. I mean, but can I ask you like a very specific quasi unrelated question? What did you think of the rectal (laughs) bleeding and Coach Shaw being like, it really was a medical. I watched that a couple times because I woke up at 1.30 in the morning and was like, let's watch the reunion. How do we feel about them saying that the call, as she explained it on the bus, was in fact the call true, was, that it was related to some sort of the call was crisis. coming from inside call the rectum coming from inside <laughs> yeah. oh no tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card well with 24/7 US based live customer service from discover everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime day or night yes you heard that right you can talk to a human on the discover customer service team Anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card.
I am so happy that warmer weather is finally back and we can get back to enjoying some time in the sun. But the springtime always brings those unwanted guests, pollen and seasonal allergies. April showers bring May flowers and also sniffly noses and stuffed up sinuses. Luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin clear with Claritin D. Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. I have had seasonal allergies for pretty much my entire life. Unfortunately, there are definitely those days where I have canceled my plans because I simply just don't want to be out in the world because of my allergies. But luckily, Claritin is the perfect thing that you can just take at the beginning of the day. And it really helps with all of those symptoms, clearing up your eyes, clearing up your sinuses, clearing up your congestion. It's the easiest way to just get those allergies under control, whether it's in the spring, any other time of year. And it's designed for serious allergy sufferers. Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so you can breathe better. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. Ready to live life as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin Clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin Clear. Use as directed. Look, I, in general, and I think this is a philosophy that you, I think you share, I feel generally pretty uncomfortable speculating about people's medical shit. A hundred percent. Absolutely. And so there is definitely a part of me that's like, if they're really sticking to this story, I don't dare assume anything about Coach Shaw's health. You know, there's no, I don't have any solid proof for me to think that this story couldn't be true. But at the same time, my gut feeling is not necessarily that I think the story is true. So, I mean, I feel like it's one of those things that is kind of just in like a no man's land gray area and will probably stay there because I don't think this is the specific piece we're going to keep dwelling on into the future. But I mean, my response to that story is a, is a resounding could be, I don't know, whatever. Like at in the, at the end of the day, yeah. that's, it feels like such a small detail that I'm like, I would love to know for sure. But also I feel content being like, yeah, there's a 10%, I guess. Sure. Whatever. I mean, it's a small detail and yet it's much more important to me than why Meredith didn't get on that van. And, you know, they, they said, I think Meredith and not, not Meredith, sorry. I think Jen and Heather both said that like Jen stayed on the bus for a while after, which shows Uh that surely she wasn't tipped off because she hung out for a while which I was confused by because if your husband just told you or his assistant or whomever that there was internal bleeding, wouldn't you leave? A me- like where I was confused as to where the weight was happening in, in either situation. Neither of those scenarios seems like they both have a sense of urgency, I would think. So I'm not I'm not sure there. But yeah, the husband's uh, the husband's being out there was uh, pretty informational. We did get sort of the last interesting moment of Jenny's housewives career was when they were talking about the sister wives thing. And um, I don't know if Dewey was attempting to make himself look better. If so, I would say he failed spectacularly because he was saying that when he was bringing up the baby conversation, he didn't want his wife to get pregnant and die. He didn't like want a a sister wife. He just was thinking as a businessman about the desired result and not about the means to that result. So he's saying, whatever happens, I'd like a baby. And that everything else just fell by the wayside. And it's like, sir, do you hear yourself? And I, the answer might be no. Like, I, I, maybe his head is like so far up his ass that he doesn't hear himself. But it's like, imagine going on TV and saying like, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, I get that my wife would like maybe kind of die. But I was simply thinking about results because I'm a businessman, Andy. Like, what what planet are you on? Yeah, and it he was sort of looking at it as like project managing his grief in a way that had such a negative potential consequence. And yet he was thinking of saying like, I was just being pragmatic. And I just thought, oh, my God, I thought you guys made this up as a storyline what you're telling me is this is real. He really was 
talking about having a sister wife or whatever. He really was pushing this. This is something that was going on in real time. And to be very honest, I haven't fully unpacked that because it is so wildly gross. And the more I understand about Jenny and Dewey, the more I like fervently dislike them and think of them as honestly bad people. Mm -hmm. And to hear that that was like a real thing, I just am so grateful that we're not going to get more of this because I just think that that is extremely bleak. And if you're talking about wanting to push the mother of your children against a choice that she has told you repeatedly, she does not want to make for her body, her um, quality of life, and for whatever other reason. And your response to that is to also put in the idea of like, non-ethical non-monogamy because you don't have the permission of your spouse like it would be different if she was into it but the whole point of their storyline is that she wasn't and now you're telling me you did this because you're like a smart guy at what point in back school did they tell you to think of people in this way like I don't it's just so there, there's a lack of empathy there that seems very consistent for who they are as people. And it's just so wild because I was giving them the benefit of the doubt of being like, wow, this is extremely cringe. Thank God it's so obviously fake. And then to find out that it maybe wasn't, I'm like, are you kidding they make, me? That was the only good thing. They make Justin and Whitney look like America's most perfect couple. But also, aside from the, you know, Tamara and Eddie love moments, maybe they are. I don't even know. I would love your thoughts on the clarification <laughs> that they make that they they did not spend all of their savings on Wild Rose Beauty. They, they spent one savings account that was liquid, that was cabin money, that they turned into skincare money. And um, this is another situation where I'm like, I don't. A hundred percent believe you, but also sure. Like, can I can I just put out into the world? As you know, my birthday is coming up. It's a very big day. It's a national day of yes. celebration, and I just want to put put out there one of my many dozens of birthday wishes, which is this: all future love scenes of physical expression that we have seen Tamara and Eddie, Ramona and Mario, Ashley and Michael. That we really, and obviously what we saw in Salt Lake, that we really take a second to think, how has this worked out for the people who preceded us? Not in the sense of like, you're going to get a divorce, but in the sense of like, the only time I want to see whipped cream is when you're putting it in a float. I don't want to see you lick it off. And Justin, did we not think a little about how this is going to look for you? From a professional perspective, I don't think you were truly surprised when you saw your wife welcome you home in such a way. If you were, <laughs> maybe that's the moment to like break the fourth wall before you maybe lose your job. It has never been anything more than cringe. And strategically, if we're talking about business and like savings accounts and money cabins full of lotion like I just don't think that this moment is worth the risk if we're talking about investments maybe invest a little bit less in these weird highly produced deeply awkward moments of physical love that I don't necessarily need to see the only housewife I want to see in a bathtub is Meredith in the Vale House, drunk and let's let's just be honest, <laughs> drunk and probably a little horny and alone. And yes. then Mary comes in mm-hmm. and they're having a whole conversation about Jen getting indicted. Like that's that's what I want. Mm-hmm. Um and I'll also allow Karen Huger in the bathtub, you know, Ray. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Ray. Oh yeah, I love that. Honestly, Karen, Karen and Ray are the only exception to this. Let's pass. The bubble bath whipped cream accord <laughs> here on Mention It All that the only couple currently, and there can be some amendments, the only couple that I think pass this by decree are Karen and Huger. I'm Karen and Huger. Karen and Ray. Oh my Huger. God. 
The Hugers. Oh, I am. I'm here for it, Sarah. I'm here for you. I'm here for all of the stuff you have going on. Tell everyone before we finish up what you have coming up for for your birthday celebration. <laughs> Not terrible. Um, guys, I know how much you're all deeply invested in my birthday, but um, which I do share with love of and light of my life, Shannon Bedore. But um, as you know, because you've been such a fabulous co-host on so many previous and upcoming episodes, I host the podcast Andy's Girls, which is all about discussing and discovering the psychology behind the Real Housewives. And it's available wherever you listen to your favorite pods. And the 300th episode celebration is actually going to be a live event here in New York City where we're based on Saturday, March 26th at Club Coming in New York City. And you can get tickets available now, andyscrolls.eventbrite.com. It's a great way to connect with other Bravoholics. BravoCon may not have happened in 2021, <laughs> but 2022 is bringing with us a very small mini version with a cash bar um, <laughs> where we'll be talking about all things housewives, deep diving with guest co-host Evan Ross Katz, maybe a special guest or two. And um, it's a great opportunity to mix and mingle, have a fabulous sassy night and get to meet other Bravoholics and um, save five, bu- five bucks if you... Buy tickets in advance. We sold out last time. So hop on it, guys. Come party with us for AG300. Yes. Go do that. Go buy your tickets. And Sarah, always a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining. Oh, my God. It's such a pleasure. Anytime that I can have five to 49 minutes just talking (laughs) with you about Justin and Whitney and whipped cream and, and crime and law is an opportunity not to be missed. So thanks so much for having me Of course. Me and thank you so much, everyone, for listening. Don't forget to rate, review, and follow the show wherever you listen. You can follow us on Instagram at Bravo by Betches. And until next time, be cool. Don't be all like uncool. Mention It All is produced by Sean Kilby and Jorge Morales Pico. Editing by Sean Kilby. Social media by Dylan Hafer. Guest booking by Nicole Pellegrino. Be sure to follow at Bravo by Betches on Instagram and Twitter. Thank you to our sponsor, Splash Refresher. Meet the water beverage that loves self-care as much as you do. Just because you have to hydrate doesn't mean it has to be tasteless. Splash Refresher makes hydration deliciously easy. Splash perfectly blends refreshing fruit flavors with just a little bit of sweetness, all with zero sugar and zero calories. I am going to go grab myself a wild berry splash now that I am done recording, and you should too. Consider your hydrated self thriving. Find Splash Refresher today on Amazon and Instacart or at your local Walmart, Sam's Club, or Kroger. Betches.